recording. Okay. Um, so let's see. A um, couple reminders. The main thing is whenever you're talking, try not to move too much because the microphone definitely picks that up. And so okay. um, I'm sure you've heard it. Like there's been times where I've like hit my microphone because I'm like waving my hands like a crazy person. Um, so it's always <laughs> so really move helpful. move everything out of my way now. <laughs> yes. Try to try to not um, like thumping or um, some women have like been clicking pins. And so I have to be like, can you not click? Um, so it picks up way more than what you think um so try to be still and then try to um speak kind of closer to the microphone wherever the microphone is on your laptop but i'm hearing you really well right now so okay um as long as there's not a lot of movement then it should pick up just fine and um it's very conversational so it's very kind of back and forth and um there's not a lot of editing that goes into the program and so um i might throw just some different questions at you that aren't in the email just kind of based Mm -hmm. on conversation um and so anything that you feel like would be helpful to promote is it 127 or when like how do you say it 127 worldwide or you can just say 127. okay um so any way that you can kind of like push that or the things that y'all do for advocacy, um, any of that, then you are more than mm-hmm. welcome to say. Um, I also didn't know if you would think if it would be beneficial to talk about like the nonprofit side. Um, I haven't really had anybody in that realm yeah. of like starting a nonprofit and like what that's looked like. So <clears throat> yeah, I'm happy to do that. Okay. Um, it's sort of like what you said with the podcast. It might be I can just point people in some directions. But okay. I like to think I've learned a little bit in eight years <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> of what perfect. not to do, probably. No, that's good. Um, and that's but... the thing, like, I, when I asked you about, like, singleness or, you know, even the current climate of SBC, like, I don't want to start any – I want to, let like, you take the lead on it, but I do have some opinions about <laughs> just how um, – I was kind of thinking through – like, I don't want to stir the pot, but also mm-hmm. our churches don't do a very good job of taking care of older single people because no, there's not really I a totally context for that. that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy to share, but I also didn't want people to hate me at the end of it. No, you were good. <laughs> I don't think they will hate you. We actually touched on it a little bit. I interviewed Katie McCoy. Um, mm-hmm. And so we kind of hit on it briefly because most of our conversation was about theological education. And so I would love for you to kind of unpack and just speak from that side of things. Um, Because I think it's needed. And then even if they're not single, like they need to know how to love well, you know, and how to find single women that are gifted and talented and that they can use alongside their leadership. So I'm I'm totally for it. I love that suggestion. So great. Um, Let me see. Do you have any questions or anything else? Um, I don't think so. Okay, let's just see what happens. All right. (laughs) That's my my philosophy of life what happens because <laughs> you're not an a <laughs> that's true that's so true all right let's get started <laughs> hey friends and welcome to another episode of at the table it's jackie king and we are talking women and leadership in the sbc and i have a friend joining me today sarah beth fentress um sarah welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'm excited 
Yes, really excited to have you. I got to meet you this last summer at convention or the annual mm-hmm. meeting, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and so we had connected on Twitter and then finally got to see each other face to face and had one of those like awkward, oh my gosh, it's finally good to see you in person. <laughs> yes, it's so strange with social media. You feel like you know people. Yeah. You can't um, even remember I, if you've really met or not. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I am so thankful. Like I have met you flesh and blood um, yes. and just gotten to hear all that God is doing in your life. So really excited to have you on the show today. Why don't you tell us a little bit just about yourself, where are you from, um, how did you get connected to the SBC, and then what do you do these days? Yeah. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, my name is Sarah Beth Ventress. I am born and raised in Kentucky, so I'm a Wildcat fan. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking through the history of my SBC life. I was nine months before I was born. I was in an SBC church, went through Mission Friends, GAs, Actines, Southern Baptist College, Southern Baptist Seminaries. So I'm pretty much bred SBC all yeah, the way through. Yeah, you're a Southwestern grad, right? Yeah, I went okay, to Southwestern. Nice. Before nice. Make the Dome Your Home was cool, I made the dome my home. <laughs> well, now you can um, get the cool t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I just went full-time into ministry right out of seminary. So I really haven't known a lot of other, uh, another way of life outside of the SBC, really. So I love it. Okay, so tell me a little bit, like, why did you go to seminary? Um, Let's talk a little bit about just your story and kind of how God birthed within you. You are the executive director of 127 Worldwide, and Mm -hmm. so we're going to get to that in a little bit. But before we kind of unpack all that you do within that organization and leading there, um, how did you get where you are today? (laughs) Yeah, executive director was definitely not on the radar when I was at Southwestern. So I have a psych undergrad and went to seminary to do marriage and family counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was in seminary, I grew up playing sports, loved um, athletics and loved missions and traveling. And I found um, a ministry that was a sports ministry that worked with IMB missionaries to take sports teams on short-term mission projects. And it was Mm -hmm. like all of my favorite things. I love telling people about Jesus and traveling and playing sports and really thought I would just retire doing that. And so Uh for 10, a summer internship turned into 10 years of working with this organization. And yeah, in 2000, what was the name of the organization? I'm curious. International Sports Federation. Okay. ISF. Okay. Yeah. So ISF. Yeah. They were in Arlington when I was in Texas and actually I graduated from seminary on a Saturday and moved to Atlanta on Sunday. The very next day they moved their offices to Atlanta. So I lived in Atlanta for 10 years. Um, Yeah. So I I continued to work with them. I loved everything about what I was doing. Got to work with international mission board missionaries primarily in 2007. I'll try to make this a short story. (laughs) Um, There was a local Kenyan lady who wanted soccer equipment. She was starting a school and um, we never really responded to locals just because you get all kinds of messages and we had more than what we could handle with international mission board missionaries. And so Um, at first my boss is like, no, like we don't even know who this lady is. (laughs) So basically I was pen pals with the Kenyan lady for a year. And finally just the stirring in my heart, like I have to go see what she's doing. She had a dream and a vision to help, um, kids who were growing up in poverty, uh, just a a modern day mother tree. So she was rescuing kids who were sleeping in sugar cane fields. And once I met Rose, it was pretty much the rest was history (laughs) of, Hmm. I can't not help this woman do what God's called her to do. And so that was the beginning stirrings of 127. It was still several years before 
um, it was an official organization, but um, I guess that was a, a packed answer to your question, but it was just one step led to the next. And then I found myself in Kenya and I couldn't not help. Um, God had stirred my heart so much. I'm like, this is what I want to spend my life doing, helping local people take care of the vulnerable people in their communities that like God that. has given them to take care of. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when you went to see Miss Rose, was that your first time in Africa? Like, was that your first trip? I had been one other time to West Africa before. Okay. That's a very different experience than um, East Africa. I use the example, like, if you go to New York versus Southern Mississippi, there's a distinct difference of culture and um, awareness. So once I, I went to Kenya, I felt like it was a home away from home. Um, but I had spent 10 years traveling um, prior to to that as well. So I've okay. been able to see a lot of the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you were working for ISF, living in mm-hmm. Atlanta, and then taking trips to Kenya. How mm-hmm. did you get from there to deciding you're going to start your own nonprofit? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Um, my boss at the sports ministry was very gracious to allow me to do both for a while. But honestly, it just became a, a conflict of of interest, I guess, like the ministry that she got had given her was more helping international mission board missionaries do sports camps and clinics and things like that. And so um, it was just kind of a gradual, like, let's see what happens. But I could tell God was stirring me more toward the orphan, more towards people living in poverty and vulnerable communities. And it's just a, a completely different realm. And so uh, it was a very gracious kind of separation, like we're still friends today. And um, she still actually visits Rose in Kenya today as well. So it um, wow. it was just like, you know, we it was time for both of us to move on to what God had, had called us to do. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's kind of start. I have not any clue whatsoever <laughs> on like, how do you start a nonprofit? Like how, where, where do you start with letterhead? Like <laughs> do you start with yeah, t-shirts? That's probably where I would lean. Like yeah, everything starts with a t-shirt. T-shirts and coffee right? mugs. Yeah. Yes. There you, you have go. to make sure you look like you have your act together and then you can kind of <laughs> squirm underneath the water. Yeah. <laughs> That's no. been my philosophy. Um, no, I mean, it originally started as we wanted to send money to these local, we had two local leaders, Rose and, and a guy in Uganda. And just legally, if people are making donations, they have to, and they want a tax credit. So it was kind of like practically, it just seemed like the right thing to do is start a place where people can get a tax credit for making donations to help these local leaders. And honestly, I thought for a while it would just be, I'll go have another job and kind of do this on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this, I'm trying to condense the stories the best we can, but um, through a series of events in my personal life, I, I kind of laid out a Gideon's fleece of, I'm going to give you six months, God, of um, a, a job had ended and I just felt the, the stirring had continued and, um, you know, let's just kind of see what happens. And so... Uh, if, if I, if there's any way I could do this without having to get another job, that would have been my preference. And so that six months is, was eight years ago and I haven't had a job since. So it's just, um, obviously I've had a job, but I've been right, with right. 27 worldwide since. So, um, I know one, one question that you had asked, um, so many people during, in 2011 is when I started the paperwork and that was not the best time to start a nonprofit. And so people who are contemplating starting a nonprofit, uh, I would heed the advice of if there's any way that you can do what God has called you to do without starting your own organization, uh, you know, that's always the best option, I think, to work 
in collaboration with other people. I feel like this key of working with locals um, is something that not a lot of orphan care specific ministries were doing um, exceptionally at the time. And that was something that I didn't want to compromise on. And that was kind of the the central focus of our ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that was what kind of catapulted me to, to start my own organization. Okay. So let's kind of explain a little bit, whenever you talk about working with locals, um, mm-hmm. what do you mean by like all of that? Um, because I think it's yeah. probably going to like transpire a little bit differently. And so, and because um, some of our listeners obviously haven't been to Africa and yeah. um, we're very Western. So what do you mean? Yes. Let's have so, you define. I always have to preface, I'm pro-missionaries. Americans going over and being missionaries, I think that's biblical and theologically correct. When working in poverty um, specifically, I think it's better to work with locals who know the language, they know the culture. Rose grew up at, in poverty herself, and she not only in, in um, Kenya do they know Swahili, they also have a tribal language. So Rose mm-hmm. has, she's trilingual. <laughs> so for me to pack up and move to Kenya, build an orphanage to help orphans is not the best option, in my opinion. I'm not saying that's never an option, but for me, I love the idea that God had already given Rose a vision. Mm-hmm. She needs people who are connected and equipped to help her do what God's called her to do. And I love the idea of networking, connecting people together. And from the very beginning of 127, it wasn't let's go in and show Rose how to take care of orphans. It's let's get beside Rose and help her do what God's called her to do already and be a megaphone for what God's already doing in Kenya without the white people coming in to help. Mm, I love so that. I think it's a very different philosophy, but um, I, it's, I love it. And it's been a blessing to be a part of that. Yeah. And I love how you're even saying like both are good, obviously, like Mm -hmm. um, I think especially nowadays, you know, we tend to kind of be like, well, this is right and this is wrong. Um, And so both are needed. I think there's absolutely, um, you know, some of our IMB missionaries that are over there. Um, But Mm -hmm. then I also think just the beauty of being able to come alongside those locals and to give resources, to give things, um, structures and systems that they don't necessarily have. Um, we're able to kind of help and aid in that. And so I love that it's more of a partnership than a right or wrong kind of thing um, yeah. that you're kind of sharing there. And so, um, yeah, and just and, let me just ahead. take a brief detour. Like even yeah. that has taken a turn that I never anticipated of not only are we connecting and equipping the roses of the world, we're also connecting Christians in America who have a knowledge and passion for agriculture or medicine or pastor training and giving them an outlet to be able to go and invest long term in these projects that are happening the other 51 weeks of the year when we don't send teams. And that really wasn't on my radar with starting the ministry. I I was thinking, let's just get people to hear what Rose is doing and then help Rose in any way that we can. But what we've seen is, and obviously, you know, this when God is stirring and working He's not just working in Rose's life. He's also working in the people that we've been able to to bring on short-term missions. So. Yeah. And I love just what you're doing with people. It literally is bringing the nations together. And that is ultimately, you know, one of God's big goals is that um, it's so easy for us to be in our Western framework and to even have ideologies and just kind of how we think um, people overseas are. And so anytime that you can get us off of American soil and over (laughs) and living and breathing and seeing life day to day and their rhythms. I mean, I learned Mm -hmm. so much at my time in Africa that um, is so 
invaluable to trying to live life here. Um, and it's a different pace and a different, um, you know, just system. And uh, yeah. the way that they live in community challenged me and changed me in a way to where it makes me view community different here. And so um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that you offer in just allowing those two things to meet because otherwise we only know within this Western framework, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so I love that there's this colliding, there's this learning, there's this empowering and networking together to where both are better because of that. So yeah. And even training on the front end, the people that are that we're sending over, it's not a we're the solution to Rose's problem. It's let's go, like you said, let's learn together and learn about the dependence that Rose has on God that we don't really have because we don't have the same you know, when she prays, give us this day our daily bread, she, it's literal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and her dependence on the Lord is, is much greater, um, mostly because of circumstances that we take for granted. And so there are things to be learned both ways for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so tell us a little bit, like what does 127 do? And um, how do people uh, maybe kind of come alongside and find out more about your ministry and yeah. then maybe even pair up with one of these trips? Um, I've noticed you've got Kenya and Uganda, and then I think there was actually a Central American country. Mm-hmm. Guatemala. Guatemala, yes, there yeah. we go. So, so tell us have... a little bit about what you do. Yeah, we have four local leaders, two in Kenya, one in Uganda, one in Guatemala. We've also done some work in Haiti and Honduras in the last eight years. And um, we, I use the words connecting and equipping. That's really what we want to do. We want to connect and equip the global body of Christ to restore hope to orphans, widows, and vulnerable communities. And that looks a lot of different ways. <laughs> There's not a cookie cutter way that we're saying, let's all go to Uganda and, and help this. So it takes a little bit to know what Jeffrey's doing in Uganda is different than the vision that God's given Rose in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, but since 2012, we've been able to send 300 volunteers from America. Um, now it's not just let's go, you know, traditional orphan care, short-term mission trip that you might have in your head. It is more thinking through, um, you know, taking fish farmers or pig farmers or um, more like learning and observing what's happening the other 51 weeks of the year. And hmm. the local leaders don't necessarily cater to our teams coming. It's like we're walking beside. It's just a regular week for them and we're getting to um, be involved in things that they're doing. So um, I think that's the shortest way I can say it. Of course, I can go into detail about all four places, but we want to connect and equip people to tangibly live out James 127. I love it. Okay, so I'm kind of curious from a leadership perspective, because obviously, um, you know, you did seminary and then you were working on staff, and then all of a sudden you're creating this organization. <laughs> um, not only just creating an organization, you're trying to recruit volunteers, you're trying to mm-hmm. work with people in different time zones and different, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> African time is very different than American time um, from yes. what I have learned. And so <laughs> what was kind of like, I guess some of the harder things, especially maybe even looking back and starting off of like, what were some of the more challenging things to get started? Um, And Mm -hmm. then maybe even just some of those leadership lessons that you have and how do you recruit? How do you get your name out? Um, Those kind of things to where you're bringing people alongside. That's essentially what 127 is doing, right? Like you are trying Mm -hmm. to rally and bring people together for this this cause and this mission. So what are some of the suggestions and maybe lessons that you've learned (laughs) kind of along the way? Yes. So um, I'll share something my dad taught me. 
Um, he said, always surround yourself with people who are good at the things that you're not good at. Yep. <laughs> and that <Amen>. has been <laughs> honestly the the best trick in my in my pocket, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, I'm super relational. So the ministry side was never difficult for me. I loved um, sitting on the porch with Rose dreaming and talking about, you know, how we can work together in Kenya. Um, the administrative uh, spreadsheet budget operation side of things, managing people. Um, honestly, the first five years, it was a, a really difficult because I was trying to do everything mm-hmm. and I was doing everything with mediocrity. <laughs> so in the last few years, we've actually turned a corner of we've hired a director of operations. We have four full-time people on staff. We have um, three part-time people on staff now. And so just trusting people and learning to delegate and being okay, just working in my lane that I'm good at, and then encouraging the staff to, you know, it's kind of the same thing we do with connecting and equipping people. Like, how's God gifted you and how can you best serve in the ministry? And then being okay that that answer is not always me being at the head of everything. (laughs) And um, I think my personality actually fits well with that. Like, I don't really have a desire to be in the spotlight necessarily, um, but I love relationships. I love writing. I love educating people. And now this, honestly, this year has been the first of of the eight we've actually been in existence where I've been able to see um, using my giftings. And that's also Mm life-giving for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's really kind of interesting because we typically have like this mindset of what a good leader looks like, you know, um, they're organized and a type and all of these things. And I just don't know that most of us fit that mold. Um, I think some of us do, you know, um, but I think a lot of us have probably wrestled through, at least I know I have to where I'm not that way. And I'm trying to morph myself into something that I'm not. And Mm -hmm. I love just the encouragement and the wisdom that your dad gave. Dads always have such good advice (laughs) and corny jokes. Um, But (laughs) the ability to just say, hey, you do you. Like, find out what your strengths are. Find out Mm -hmm. what you are passionate about. And then bring others alongside that fill in those gaps instead of, you know, I think we can kind of get in these lanes of, like, we have to be so developed and we have to develop our weaknesses, you know, and just we're trying to be all and the catch-all for everything. And um, it works so much better whenever we're able to bring others alongside of us and say, okay, I'm horrible at this. Why don't you run and you go, you know, and empower them in that. There's freedom for you to just live in your giftings and allow other people to live in their giftings and work together. I will say one other thing. I didn't really think through this, so we'll see how it goes. (laughs) But I think just um, life experience too kind of played a role in, Um, Just as a a short example, um, my mother passed away eight years ago, right as 127 was starting. And I think that grief has not that I would compare myself to an orphan, but it's given me an understanding for kids losing a parent and that grief process. And then um, also, again, I wouldn't compare myself to a widow, but as a single person in her 40s now, um, I have a lot of the same responsibilities that a widow has. And it was just like, I kind of turned on a light bulb a couple of years ago of these um, life circumstances have also prepared me to have a bigger heart for what he's called me to do, but also a greater understanding for the people he's called me to serve. And I think it's hard and difficult and not necessarily the life I would have chosen, but I love that I can see the purpose behind, I would say, the two most frustrating things in my everyday, you know, Christian walk with the Lord are actually the exact things that are helped 
have helped prepare me to do what he's called me to do better. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, and I can't imagine trying to start a nonprofit, like all in the middle of losing your mom and, and those kind of things. So I would think that would be incredibly overwhelming. Yes. It was, but it, it, it's good. (laughs) It's been a process, but, um, yeah, it's been a good situation in the long run for sure. Hmm. Okay. So you mentioned that you are in your forties and you're single. So I kind of want to spend the last little bit of our conversation here and maybe kind of tackling this, um, untalked about, uh, really like unaddressed kind of back in the corner, um, issue of just not utilizing our women that are single, um, and even really trying to encourage them, um, in other ways outside of, Hey, get married. Um, I don't know if that's maybe been your, your experience. Has that been it? Or is that just my (laughs) perception of talking with other people? Yeah. I mean, I think that's died down in the last few years, but it's, it's definitely a soapbox that I, like to get on every once in a while as well. All right. Well, let's get on it. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit, what is the church and maybe even just, um, and I'm talking church globally, you know, just Mm -hmm. in reference. Um, How are we not encouraging those that are in our church that are in their singleness? Like, what are we doing wrong and how do we encourage them and actually build them up in the season that they're in? Um, How would you kind of encourage us in that? Yeah, I've written a couple of articles. Maybe we can link to some of those um, in the show notes. But basically, I didn't have a category for people who are like me growing up. And uh, I mean, I use the word normal loosely, like, of course, I'm quirky in some ways. (laughs) But just like, for me, marriage was always the it's like the next step of your faith. Like after you go to college, you get married, you become a pastor's wife, you have kids, it was just like a logical progression. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that that wasn't just a given, honestly, even into my 30s, um, I really wrestled with that. Like, oh, I've always been told as long as I'm running the race that God has for me, I'll look beside and see the Mm -hmm. guy running beside me. And that's not theologically correct. (laughs) And I think even today, it, it kind of, you know, we've struggled some with where women fit in the SBC. And I think single women have an even stronger um, struggle sometimes because at least married women have their husbands speaking for them on, you know, creating that lane for them that we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. so it's been a a real wrestling just in my personal desire. People, I think I mentioned this to you before, but just kind of throwing um, platitudes about God will give you the desires of your heart. And that's, while that is scriptural, that doesn't always mean if I want to get married, God's going to provide that. Like sometimes God changes your desires or there could be a lot of other options aside from like, what's wrong with you? You're not married yet. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I see what God has called me to do. I couldn't have done well as a married, as a young married person 20 years ago, trying to begin a family. You know, the last, the things we've been talking about the last 25 minutes would not have been possible. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing less than about that. It's just that God had a different plan. And I don't know that marriage isn't in my future. I'm not um, completely hopeless that 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 will never happen. But if it, but it's not promised to me and it's not something that I earn or deserve based on works or steps of obedience that I take in my walk with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing, I think, um, is 
I think people well intend like they're trying and um, they're trying to be encouraging. Like we're just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and just kind of grace in that. Um, but that really the things that are said to those that are single are really more discouraging than uplifting. Um, and why do you think that is like where, where does our focus need to be? Especially those of us that are women that are in leadership and we want to completely Mm -hmm. celebrate and um, like push forward. So what are things that we could say? How are ways that we can encourage those that are in this season Mm -hmm. of singleness um, that would be beneficial? That wouldn't be, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear the running metaphor again, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so what do we say? I would say a couple of, this isn't going to exactly answer your question, so you can re-ask it if I don't. But I think people who are investing in young women, um, it doesn't need to be put this true love weights on ring on your finger and then in five years you get to get married and have kids and God will honor your purity. Like that's not everyone's path. Yeah. And so if you're discipling young women, let's look at the single people in the Bible, (laughs) you know, Paul and Jesus and um, there's and kind of teach from that platform of yes, marriage is a gift, but singleness is a gift. And I feel like a lot of singles say singleness is a gift, but they don't necessarily always feel that singleness is a gift. So I think just some practical ways and my church does a really good job of this. Um, for the most part, <laughs> is, you know, have some single people that you're checking in on. If, if people live away from family during holidays, adopt single people to be part. I feel like some of my friends feel like, I don't want to invite Sarah Beth to go to my kid's baseball game because who would want to do that? And the fact is, I grew up going, you know, to Little League sports, and I love that. And I miss, mm-hmm. I don't really have an outlet to do that without being kind of quirky. <laughs> so I yeah, love yeah when friends invite me, whether they think it would be something I would enjoy or not, like kind of let me make that decision, whether that's something I would want to do, but still invite me. And so I feel like I have lots of friends where I can invite myself over if if I'm feeling like I want more people interaction than what I've had that day. But I feel like a lot of times people assume that I wouldn't want to come because their house is chaotic. (laughs) When in fact, I probably, I do want to come to some chaos every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And there's so, like there's so much beauty I think in this, and that um, we don't compartmentalize people, um, and that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, like. God intends for the body to be the body and for us to be together. And so um, I know that there are several just in our faith family that um, aren't, I mean, they're younger, you know, they're older, some are widowed, some are just single, you know, and Mm -hmm. not married. And those are people that my kids look up to so much, you know, and they have that freedom and that free time just to come over. And it's not chaos with adding more kids to the the room, you know? Um, And so I want our boys, I want our church ultimately to be able to look at those that are running hard after Jesus and know that that is just as much the norm as a family unit and yeah. that God works his stories in different ways and in different seasons and we get to celebrate that and cheer that on and so I think that's a really good thing for all of us to hear that like um don't assume um, there's mm-hmm. so much wrong that I think happens in assuming. And so invite, welcome in, be hospitable, um, have them come into your crazy. And I guarantee you they will, <laughs> they will love it. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be a good break for you because, you know, I know my boys like flock to them and I'm like, all right, it's a break. Great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that idea of intergenerational discipleship. I think 
And even like if we hear Titus 2 mentoring, your the stereotypical picture you have is an older grandmother type lady ministering to younger women. And that is, I'm not saying that's not a great thing. It is. Mm-hmm. But Titus 2 is, you know, it can be intergenerational, different life stages, um, you know, across the board. And single people have a lot to offer in that. Like I have a yeah. different perspective than most of my friends on most things because, um, you know, I used to always say my life doesn't look the way I thought it would. And I've, I've figured out that most married people feel that way too. So I've had to kind of articulate what the difference is that I'm talking about and ultimately just trusting God's plan and God's sovereignty for if he sees fit for me to have a husband, then he's, I'm not going to miss out on that. Like he's, he's going to make that clear to me. But in the meantime, I can have a full life and, serve him and bring glory to him in the ways that I already know that he's called me to do. Mm, That's good. Okay. So I kind of want to pull back the curtain a little bit more on something that you said um, that I honestly had never thought of. Um, But when you said that um, because you don't have a husband or a spouse, that's really able to kind of advocate for you as a woman. And so Mm -hmm. being a single woman in ministry and in leadership how do we encourage you in that? Because on like until you said it, that hasn't at all even been on my radar. And so um, I want you to kind of unpack that feeling a little bit um, <laughs> and then maybe even just kind of share like how do we help with that and how um, how do we encourage maybe those listeners that are in that same boat that you are. Um, and one of the things that I always say like you should not have to be married to somebody in order to serve, you know. Um, and so like a lot of times in my lane um, I'm here younger women like in college and stuff like well I just need to marry a pastor and then I can do ministry and it's like uh no (laughs) you get to do ministry now because you're a child of God and he has gifted you so it's kind of I think a different conversation but almost the same kind of um ideology there so I want to know like how do we encourage our sisters that are single and that maybe don't feel like they're advocated for um and how do we encourage you yeah, that's a good and loaded question. Sure. <laughs> and I feel like there's a different answer maybe for my work life versus my church life. So I'm going to I'm going to choose my church, at least for the first answer. Okay. Um, I have a, a great support system, um, totally complementary in church, but they I feel like my voice is heard. And so I think having those advocates, um, whether that's a friend's spouse or Um, you know, having the confidence to meet with an elder saying, hey, I really feel like this kept me up last night and I just want to toss it out there and you guys Mm -hmm. do what you want with it. Like, I do feel that freedom. um, But I do think there are a lot of women in like our offices are at the church. So I kind of interact with our staff very comfortably. And I feel like there are single women even in our church that might not necessarily feel comfortable coming to an elder with an idea or a suggestion or something like that. So I would say if you are a wife of a person of influence in the church, that would be an easy way Hmm. um, as you hear things or like, hey, Sarah Beth has a great idea about discipleship classes or whatever the the situation is. Um, It's not that I feel like I want people to always do what I say. I just want to be heard and understood. Of, yeah. This is something that I'm feeling. Yeah. So I feel like, again, across churches as a whole, not necessarily my church specifically, a lot of decisions are made catered to families. And so inviting single people in on some of the conversations as you're talking about you know, new directions or new vision for the church, get a voice that not only represents single people, 
somebody that represents every phase of life that your membership represents and mm-hmm. make that those decisions in collaboration with everyone else. Yeah, I love that. Okay, and then do you have an answer to the work work Sarah? <laughs> um, I feel like there it, there is a respect issue at work, and I I don't feel that because I'm a woman necessarily. Um, any difference, I guess, with 127, but I kind of moved into the situation already established as the executive director. Mm-hmm. I think in, women in general have to work, this is being stereotypical, but I feel like you have to work harder to have the same position in a lot of areas. And I still see that probably more so with friends who are on staff at a church or, um, you know, doing some kind of um of outside ministry, but I I don't think it's necessarily affected me. There's a little bit of crossover in that some people on our staff are also elders at our church and like, it's which hat do I wear Mm -hmm. which day of like some days um, I'm the boss and some days I'm not the boss. So there's been a little bit of tension there, but in general, I feel like God, um, he called me to this position. I did, I wasn't seeking out to be the executive director or to start a nonprofit. And so maybe just sitting with people and hearing their stories and just encouraging them walking beside kind of what I was saying, like what I wanted to do with Rose, find people that you can do that with in your own circle of influence of, mm-hmm. hey, I see God working this in you and I see leadership potential in you, whether you're male or female is really not significant. Yeah. Um, so let's just all work together. We're on the same team. We're pushing towards the same results and cheering each other on that that's what I really think yeah we need absolutely. to do and there's something that I learned um from Katie Cole we actually had her on the podcast um a couple months ago and she was kind of talking about the difference in men and women and leadership and that women tend to be a little bit more insecure and feeling like we have to have like all of the boxes checked before we actually jump into um our our role you know and so mm-hmm. I think that has been really something that I've mulled over a lot and it's made me a lot more intentional in the way that I encourage women because I just, I know in my own head, like I'm so critical, you know, um, and feeling Mm -hmm. incompetent or that I don't know what I'm doing, you know, in so many levels. And so just with that fact, I think being able to turn around and then know that, even if they're not, like they're having a good day and they're rocking it. Like I want to be the one that says, I see this in you, go, like go girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think that's really important even from a work standpoint, you know, that we are able to see you leading, like you literally started a nonprofit to go love on <laughs> orphans and widows. And that is something to celebrate. That is something to say, hey, God has gifted you. God has given you this vision. And I love cheering you on in that. And so mm-hmm. um, I think even, I mean, I hate that it's more you feel that in the church than in your workspace. Um, And so I would hope in all of the spaces that we would be women that are able to say, I see this in you. I see God working in you. And it is so evident that he's using it. And so keep going. Um, And a lot of times in my life and, you know, um, others that I've talked with and hopefully even today, I hope you're hearing that encouragement and just getting a little bit more air in your sail, you know, and saying, (laughs) that's right. Like he has given this to me and look at what he's done and look at the goodness of of all that he has done um, in your obedience. And so 
I hope that we would do better. Um, I hope that we would be women that encourage and bring alongside and specifically and intentionally find women in our church that are in different stages, whether it's single or old or um, like us or not like us from where we're from or not where we're from, and that we would just constantly be about bringing people in. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Just one more comment about the church. I feel like with SBC world right now, the complementarian Mm -hmm. conversation is such a hot topic that we've kind of avoided it to the maximum to where Mm -hmm. like women weren't even allowed to know what the conversations were happening, you know, much less have a voice. And so I think as we curve to, yes, we can still be complementarian and still hold to, you know, what we believe is biblical and theologically accurate, but you can still have women voices in on the decisions and you Mm -hmm. can still include that. And again, my church does a good job of that, but I think across the convention that there's still some, a need for some improvement on just because we want to sit in on a meeting doesn't mean we want to take over (laughs) the plan. So very much so. And we have something to contribute at that meeting, you know, and I think there's even been a shift of like, I, we shouldn't feel guilty about that, you know, like, um, we've been given a perspective and I think you even hit on it earlier, you know, as a single woman, um, as a a woman that has lost her mom, as a woman that has gone Mm -hmm. overseas and seen just different things, you bring so much to the table, right? Um, and so there are different ways that you're going to see things. There's different ways that you're going to see problems and execute different systems. And so, um, what beauty there is in all of those experiences and all of those different um, things that you get to bring to a conversation and ultimately for the kingdom of God. And so let's not feel guilty about that. Like he's given us a story. He's given us those, those things that we've walked through in order for us to be able to point others to Jesus. So I love it. So good. All right, Sarah Beth, we are out of time. It was so fast. It did. Um, (laughs) But I just want to say thank you so much for spending some time at the table today. Yeah. Um, I am going to make sure to put Sarah Beth's um, website. If you go to 127, the numbers, worldwide.org, you can find Mm -hmm. more about her and her nonprofit. And I'm also going to link to a couple of those articles that she's written about singleness. And so um, if you are a woman in the SBC, I really hope that you would pass this along that you would share it on your social media channels because this is such a good conversation that everybody needs to hear so um, pass it along and join us next week for another episode of at the table y'all have a great week